Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Keyes. Farhan is so fed up with low blocks, he has fled the UK and decided he can't talk about them any longer. <laughs> so today you've got me hosting and Monty joining. How are you doing, Monty? Not too bad, thank you, mate. Uh, well, two, well, I was going to say two points off the top, but now it's gone back to five. But um, yeah, I'm good. How are you, mate? You good? I'm good, mate. Yeah, good. Glad to get a win. Unnecessary stressful finish. And mm-hmm. but yeah, I was at the game, and it was just great to be there, right sitting right behind both of the goals. And yeah, just the, I think the first one was sheer relief. The second one was kind of we thought, right, we're going to win four 0 and obviously we didn't. But that, that's a big three points. We, we we did a preview on the game. Yeah. Uh, on Tuesday morning or Monday night. And we've both been at the Forest game and we, we lost 4-2 a few years ago. We've lost our last two there as well. So not been a happy hunting ground. So but just uh, to get started, obviously the, the first thing was the starting lineup, Emil Smith-Rowe in the team sheet. I got the text from you as I was driving into Nottingham, everyone buzzing. So just tell me how you felt about that. Yeah, I was really happy. Um, like we discussed on a preview show, um, I thought that Emil Smith Rowe was needing a start just to sort of, uh, and I, I feel like from what we was hearing outside of the camp that he was training really well um, on the break. So I feel like it was overdue um, and he put in a good account of himself. I, I think like he could have been a bit more direct, but maybe that's a bit of rustiness and he just didn't want to do anything wrong, which he didn't, which is good. Um but you could you saw the buzz pre the game. Everyone was really happy to see him on. Everyone loves Emil Smith Rowe. Like Emil Smith Rowe and Saka, they're fan favourites. We, we we love them as players. They're, they're homegrown. They get a huge cheer every time. Um, so it's just really good to see him on on the pitch again, really. And um, hopefully he can get back to his best uh, doing his direct runs again. Um, but no, he put in a good count of himself. So I was really happy with it. And um, yeah, I was only what only one person off. I thought Trossard would start, but then Martinelli came on. But um, now, overall, I was happy with the lineup. I was very happy with the lineup. Yeah, so was I. I think it, it was one of those uh, we did when we did the preview. I went Havertz, you went Smith Rowe, so you did call it. So you, you deserve the credit there. And look, I, I was the same. I, I got to the ground early as well, and I had a basically arrived as the players were coming out to warm up and. It's one of those, you're sitting right behind the goal. We were right on top of the Arsenal players warming up. And one of the things that always fascinates me is just the technique of the players whenever they're they're playing kind of completely unchallenged. And it's funny, it's kind of the two things I noticed on the, a really positive technical level are Martin Odegaard is just phenomenal. Just the, the warm-up mm-hmm. drills, just how well he strikes a ball every time. And the other one was Ben White, just like how easy he shifts the ball, pings it all over the park. And that's something I, I used to be fascinated by that when I was a kid. But again, just seeing it so close, it really makes you appreciate the level of these players. And then on a more negative one is how bad of a ball striker Gabriel Jesus is. I always thought it was a panic thing. But even watching him, he just doesn't strike the ball cleanly. And it's one of those, it, it, it must be a concentration thing, whatever it is, but it's crazy how you play at that level and just can't strike a ball cleanly. Mm-hmm. He's a player that confuses me. Like, how does he miss? Like, when he when he hit the post, that opportunity was just an absolute sitter. Should be going into the back of the net. Um, no problem. 
But then he misses that. And then in fairness to him, he then, Zinchenko puts in that beautiful throw in direct straight to him and he runs straight in. And then he hits a goal from the most ridiculous angle. It was, it kind of reminded me a bit of, um, was it Len? No, was it Lens in the uh, Champions League? Or was it, um, oh, I was it in the Champions remember. League when he, I think it was no, Seville. It was Seville uh, away, wasn't it? When he when he came into the box and he hit that ball coming across, um, and he and it hit, hit it coming across the keeper into the top right. He even got put. I think it was voted um, goal of the month or something like that in the Champions League or, or something like that. It was a crazy goal, and like you're like he just pulls out these moments, but then he can't score sitters. It, it makes he frustrates me, but he scored the goal. We won the game. And we'll break it down, and we're all good. We're 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 in a good yeah. place. We're in a good place um, coming up into the the Liverpool game. So it's now just time for us to re look at the game film, look what we can do to tighten up. Because looking at Liverpool against Chelsea, they they they're not slowing down in any way, shape, or form. So we need to we need to play better. We need, to, even though we played well, we dominated the ball. We can't give away those silly errors. You know, like when Forrest got their goal, you can't do that against Liverpool. They will score. You, you give them one touch, and you're not going to have 80% possession or 78% possession against Liverpool. It's not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, we need to tighten it up a little bit. But overall, it was good. And then, yeah, you got Jesus just frustrating me, man. It's just. I, I thought I thought it was gonna be one of those days when he when he hit that post. I thought it was gonna be one of those days, but he he proved us all wrong, which is I good. think we all did. But um, just to have a, a look at the start of the game and run through it chronologically, mm. let's uh, talk opening first time because it became very very clear from the minute the ball was kicked off mm-hmm. how Forest were going to line up. So, just yeah. give me your thoughts on the opening and exchanges and how you felt it went. Yeah, I mean, you could see what they did. And it's kind of similar to what we spoke about in the uh, preview. It They they set up the low block. Um, they they This is what they've done all, all season against big teams. They counter-attack um, and they, they explode well. And what I liked in the first sort of, fi- especially the 15 minutes, is we dominated the ball. I think we had 184 final third passes or touches in the in the final third and they didn't even have one or something like that. It was, it was crazy. Um, and what it, what it seemed is what we needed to do, and we spoke about it a little bit on the preview, is, and, and it happened throughout the game, we needed to coax them out, gave them a bit of belief that they can come forward. And once they came forward, that's when we got in the space behind. But what was frustrating me, and, it, and I felt we were just going to have the same sort of game against like what we did against West Ham or something like that. Dominated the ball, kept passing, kept passing. But we, what frustrates me with a low block when you're going up against one, stop trying to walk it into the goal. Don't try and walk it. The, the point of a low block is to stop intricate passes in the box. That's the point of it. It's, you're not supposed to be able to walk the ball into the goal. But what I what I wish we did a bit more is if you're on the edge of the box, not outside the box, but like on the edge of the box, take a shot. Just take a shot because it might get deflected. There's a lot of bodies. Get deflected, he can go in. Or if the keeper saves it, he pushes out and goes to a corner. And when you had not for us of the worst set the set piece defense team in the league. And we're the best. So why why were we not why were we not utilizing that a bit more? Um, but in terms of the play and uh, the way that we're moving the ball, it was, it was amazing. It was brilliant. I mean, we had effectively Declan Rice wasn't a holding midfielder the whole game. He was effectively moving as like an, an additional eight. 
you had um, Saliba and Gabriel coming up really as like the six and you had the fullbacks push way forward. Um, so really we only had like two at the back the whole game and we, we were just overloading uh, the uh, the edge of the box really. Um, but we just we just couldn't find that 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 sort of one or two passes to to unlock it. And uh, I thought like maybe throughout the game, if this continues like this, it's going to be a bit more. Well, I, I was thinking we're going to have to push them out because it looked very similar to, to what games we've seen. or well, like we saw last year when uh, Abanoi scored that goal um, against us and we had all the possession, all the chances and we weren't going to get it. I was going to think oh, it's going to be the same again. We had the same against sort of West Ham, dominate the ball. Then they counter-attacked us and scored their opportunities. And I felt like that's what we said in the preview. I felt like we had to coax them out and, and give them a little bit of hope, which they did. And they started coming out, especially that second half. They started coming out and that's when we were able to exploit them. But of the initial bit, I thought with the pressure that we were given, we should have scored. I wanted an early goal just to calm the nerves, but we didn't get it. And I didn't think we were going to get it. I don't know about you. Did you think we was going to score in that sort of opening exchange? No, and again, if you look at the chances, Jesus had won over around the 14th minute and um, Odegaard had a shot around the same time again, which was blocked. And we had an involvement again in the first half where Smith Rowe played in, I think it was Jesus again, and it went over, or possibly Martinelli. And it, it was one of those we didn't really do do much. Um, Zinchenko had that cross around just before half time that uh, again, it wasn't the cleanest cross into the box, but um, Smith Rowe kept it alive. Saka uh, kind of had that shot that deflected mm-hmm. and it was a decent save from Turner. He looked really sharp and, as well, um, Saka. Saka looked brilliant yesterday. I think it's the sharpest he's looked. But um, And again, Saka had... Um, had one uh, where he crossed into the far post right before halftime and Jesus got up and had uh, towards the top corner and Matt Turner tipped it over. And again, that was one of those right before halftime. And I think the halftime whistle actually went before the corner was given at that point. So it, it was one of those yeah, when you is. look at the first half as a whole. But um, uh, as there there's so many, uh, so few action moments to actually discuss in this, I wanted to talk to you about, I guess, low blocks in general and the fan frustration and like understandably Arsenal fans are getting frustrated with how we break them down how teams play against us and so on but firstly I want to ask you is this just the merit of us being a much better team and something that we have to accept as a sign of respect I think you have to take that into account 100% um, like if, if Nottingham Forest try to play us at our game we'll destroy them and I think they completely understood that. They they knew that if they open up the back, we were going we were going to just abuse them all game. Um, so that's what they made sure they tried to do. They they stayed close. They stayed tight. They they pushed us outside, uh, and they weren't allowing anything in the middle. Um, and that is that has got to be testament to to the way that we play and to just the respect that I think we've earned because. Although people say last season, oh, we scored a lot of goals and we were getting... The thing is, last season is we were earning the respect. We weren't respected. Um, I think mm-hmm. a lot of players... Because if you go to the start of last season, people didn't even think we were going to be top four. And then we we came in and shocked the league and came in for a late uh, title run. Um, this season, I think a lot of people are going, right, okay, no. Arsenal are a, are a serious team. They've got good players. Like We cannot give them space... Um, and that's why we keep seeing low blocks because 
when we have had goal against like we struggle against them. It's something we struggle against. So it, it seems to be a pattern that does work. And we are we've been quite fortunate to be able to get some results. And some haven't gone our way. But what the one thing I feel we're we are doing at the moment and we need to we're trying to follow the game plan so much. Like we're, we're kind of overplaying it at times. And I feel like sometimes people just need to sort of take, take the ball and go, do you know what I mean? Like, fuck it, let's just shoot. Do you know what I mean? Like some people just need mm. to take the ball and go direct and draw a foul. Like that's what I wanted to see a bit more from Emil Smith-Rowe because that's what he's so good at. He gets the ball in a turn. He'll run directly out of centre-back or a midfielder and they, they normally stick a leg in. Um, and then he gets a foul and it's a free kick and then that's a dangerous opportunity for us because Matt Turner is woeful at defending set pieces. We know that from experience. Um, so I, I just feel like we could have done a few things a little bit better. Uh, but credit to, to Forrest, I mean, that first half, it went exactly the way that he wanted it. It went exactly the way that they wanted it. They wanted to shut up the shop, get us frustrated, uh, get us overcommitting forward because that's what, what we were doing. We're overcommitting forward. We had two people at the back the whole time. Uh, and then when they did have the ball, there were, there were moments for them to, to really push push on and go, go in into our half. Um, but we were quite good. I mean, Declan Rice, credit to him um, as well. And Saliba, able to, um, to get in there. But we'll talk about Saliba later. I know he sort of messed up a little bit for the goal, but it happens. You can't, you can't be infallible 100% of the time. But these are the errors that we need to to iron out I think we just need to be a bit sharper um, and stop these like there were moments in the game where uh, not necessarily Saka but more like Martinelli and Erdegaard I'd say they were getting the ball and they had the space to go forward they should have just gone forward or, or it was only one on one so they could have just at least attempt it get the leg drawn in but they were trying to just constantly pass it sideways and draw him out and but you're not going to draw them out because their game plan was to stay in their position. The only way we were able to draw them out is to give them confidence to go forward. Uh, and that's when we started getting the spaces in behind. Um, so yeah, like I think just the way that we played, I think the whole league respects us now. I mean, like people saw us against Liverpool and we fully outplayed them. We just weren't scoring because we were overplaying some of the opportunities. Like the from one that sticks out to me is at the start of the game and Reese Nelson had the opportunity could have just shot. And then he again takes a touch, tries to wait for players in a box, just go for the shot. Because if he gets saved, it gets pushed out. It's a corner, you know. It's an opportunity to score, uh, or you might get deflection or something. You know, you just got you just got to go for it. It's got to go. You at least make the goalkeeper work. That's the point. Make the goalkeeper work. Make him make the mistake. One hundred percent. And I think especially when you're getting nothing, when you're getting so little joy. Uh, but one of the things that I've really noticed is we've got two big weapons against low blocks that a lot of Arsenal fans will hate to hear. And one is David Rea. Rea at times in the first half stood with his foot on the ball and the crowd hated it. The fans on Twitter hate it. People watching at home hate it because no one likes that risk. No one wants to see that ball far out, but it actually does draw players out. Strikers naturally want to close down and teams start moving forward and Ray can ping that ball all over the park. Similarly, Saliba and Gabriel, although Gabby's first touch wasn't great last night at times, but the two of them generally are great receivers Ben White, Zinchenko as well. You've got four players in front of him that will take up positions to create angles for him. And if he doesn't want to use them, bang. Other end of the pitch, he has it in Martinelli's toe, Saka's toe. 
or in there for Jesus or Havertz to really compete for the ball. And that's a big, big weapon. The other one, again, is Zinchenko. Zinchenko can put his foot on the ball with five players around him. And the thing is, yeah, it's technically anyone so can put their foot on the ball, but you know that you can kill a team when no one comes is daring to come near you because they know if you if they run at you, they're they leave a space and someone else is in because you're so good at passing the ball. And and that's something again, if you look at Zinchenko's game yesterday, he had well over a hundred touches of the ball. He actually completed 100 passes last night, made four key passes, mm-hmm. in totally at 123 passes. I, I felt he was one of our best players, but obviously the, the narrative became the the mistake at the end. But th- those two players are players that you need that quite kind of quality in your team whenever you're playing against just teams that like Bernardo Silva can do it for City he's a player that he can do it in the most dangerous areas of the pitch where he can just stop the game and I then give the likes of De Bruyne a space so that's something that I think we're going to have to get used to as fans and it is funny there was a guy two seats down for me just complaining the whole time and it's it is that when you're at a game (laughs) everyone shouts shoot and generally, when they shout shoot, the player really shouldn't shoot. And uh, then when we when the game had opened up a bit in the second half, it was, why weren't we doing this in the first half? And it's like, mate, there was like 11 players inside that half in the in the first yeah. half. It's a different game state. And I think fans also need to, to learn and respect the game state that we're facing now and how, the, the different transitions within a game because, like, Forrest came out very much to shut us out. And Nuno said something along those lines that his game plan was to shut Arsenal out. He sh- we shut them out in the, the first half. We Our plan allowed us to shut Arsenal out. And he said that twice. And that kind of shows exactly what his ambition for that game was. It was, if we get a nil-nil, we've, we've got three points essentially. And at the very most we're going to hit Arsenal on the counter like we did last year and do something and that became evident very early on there were a couple of times where there were sort of lucky bounces or sloppy passes and the ball broke to Gibbs White and he carried the ball out of the the forest half and he he was a player that he was giving Declan Rice a bit of trouble in there because he's strong he's powerful he controls the ball well but just give me your thoughts on that because obviously when you're playing so high up the pitch and at times Chris Wood was about 10 yards from their box, that's how deep they were, then Mm -hmm. whenever you lose it, there's naturally a lot of space for the opposition to run into. So how how do you feel whenever we are pressed that far forward versus how you felt last year when the whole game was a lot more combative? I mean, there's... there's parts to it so i feel like when we are that far forward um we are it, that is definitely our weak spot and it has been sort of the last couple of seasons um just look at the games that we've lost it's against like teams that we shouldn't have it's always been counter-attacks um and not been able to sort of break down low blocks um but i feel like what's happened especially this season with saliba and gabrielle they've definitely matured a lot um so they're, they're able to actually cover those spaces in behind and they're doing it much better. With Declan Rice in there, he is a lot more, he's a lot faster than party, uh, a bit more athletic. Um, so it, 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 I feel a bit more reassured on it. And especially when you have Zinchenko in extra, because Zinchenko is just so quick to track back. Like that that track back in the first half, 
I think it was Chris Wood that got the shot. He should have put it in the box, but he went for a shot and then Zinchenko was just blistering inside him. Came in, gets the deflection off his foot and then he, he was to uh, pick up the spill and then he's straight on it. Zinchenko straight forward again. What frustrates me, now I, I'm all for, um, because if you want to beat a low block, you, you need you need to get them out of the box. They need to come out of the box. Like, so you need to give them the opportunities to counterattack. But what you need to be able to do is you need to counterattack the counterattack. And I felt like at times we were too slow especially in that first half, like when Zinni got that ball, it should have been two passing. It should have been up to Gabri. It should have been up straight up to the top uh, because they were committing far forward. They had their midfielders out. It was just their, their back line and it was three versus four. Uh, and I would I would put our players over theirs, their back line over... I'll put our players over their back line. Um, but we, again, it was pass up, then it was pass back to Zinni and it was part... Like, no, it should, like if if they've just counter-attacked, they've committed seven players forward and you've got four players back, three players back and you've got our three players forward, put the ball up there. Give them the opportunity. That's what I, I feel like we needed. We need to add more into our game. Um, and, it, and, it, and it did happen. Like when we got the second goal, that's exactly what it was. It was just quick, quick instinctive passing fast electric football and then with the first goal as well it was off the throw in straight away don't let give him time you have to be quick you can't beat um a low block like even even the cities like cities don't city what they'll do they'll they'll keep passing the ball they keep passing the ball right and they'll draw you up but what will happen is they'll create a situation um which will cause stop a play or something and what they'll do is they'll they'll quick they'll, like a free kick they'll whip it straight in before the, the players can like the defenders have been able to look up. You've got to have those situations created and that's by drawing the players out, um, giving them false hope and then you've got to be able to close on it. So yeah, it's it's a little bit frustrating but I feel like with, with looking at game film we'll be able to get better at it and uh, when you see like the goals that we scored it, there's adding evidence to that it works because um, that's, that's, that's what we spoke about in the previous show. Like you, you, You've got to You've got to be able to press quickly, especially when you get the when you steal that ball from a team that's counterattacking. And this is Nuno Espirito Santos. Like this guy does counterattack football. That's all he does. He did it at Tottenham, did it at Wolves. Doesn't matter where he goes, he will play counterattack football. That's that's what he does. He it's kind of like a sort of a a modern a modern version of Jose Mourinho. Don't don't concede. Get the ball. Electric attack. And it, it sometimes it works, sometimes it does. It's a very smash and grab style of football, but it does work. If you don't concede, you either draw or you win. And it's as simple as that. You either draw or you win. So what you need to be able to do for against, a, and it's kind of like, um, who is it? Like a, back in the day, like a Roy Hodgson, like his his defensive style of football was always very solid. I mean, now he hasn't really got the players per se to to really do it effectively. But when you had, when you've got a very good defensive unit, you've got to pull them into spaces. You've got to open spaces up behind them and you can only do that by reacting quickly. And um, because once they set again, it's it's the same thing. It's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Yes, we've got 80% possession, but if we've got 80% possession and zero goals on target, zero shots on target, what's the point? You know, you've got to to be putting these opportunities in. And I feel like the second half, we did that. We did that definitely. I think like Arteta probably had a conversation with him, being like, "Guys, you've just got to speed it up. You've just got to speed it up. Like this is too slow. It's too slow. Um, it was too cautious. It was it was very cautious. Uh, I felt like at the first sort of thirty five minutes, we were just pass it sideways, pass it back. Just take a man on, take a man on. Like at the end of the day, we still have our players behind. 
They're not going to be able to counter-attack it too quickly. Our counter-press is really good. Have faith in it, but take a bit more on yourself as an individual and, and, and push the ball forward. Have a bit more assertiveness when you're trying to go for it. Because then you draw the fouls. Once you draw those fouls against the worst set-piece team, it's a genuine chance to score. So I just feel like we could have maybe approached it a bit differently. Yeah, and there was one point in the first half as well we saw very much what Declan Rice is about with those carries. So Forrest had an appeal for a penalty that I don't know if far checked, nothing came up in the ground. And Rice ended up getting the ball back and driving forward, unleashing Martinelli down the left. And he went in and kind of nothing came of it. But it's very much that thing that I've been talking about a lot recently that in every game of football, there are transitions. And people always love to say, but how would player X cope with a low block if they came to Arsenal? It's like, why, why does pace matter for a striker like Ozemhan or a winger like Pedro Neto if they came to Arsenal because they would be up against a low block? It's actually, you. if you look at Man City, they scored so many goals with Ederson pinging at Demares, and it was that really fast counter-attack uh, Liverpool with Van Dijk pinging at Salah or Trent de Mane and you need those pacey players in the transition mm-hmm. and there were times yesterday when Forrest did come forward in that first half that we saw opportunities that just a bit more kind of ruthlessness on the counter when we carried in those transitions we could have really really killed them but we didn't do it. Our final action was quite often poor. We weren't getting players together in numbers quick enough. Mm-hmm. And Forrest also did a very good job at shutting it out. But when you look at the the dominance in the first half, especially, it was just one of those halves where you felt Forrest can't hang on doing that again in the second half. And something needed to change. But one of the things I do want to ask you about is Gabriel Jesus. So Mm -hmm. let's Mm -hmm. just focus on the first half for now because he was a player that was all over the pitch and he -hmm. ended up getting man of the match. But just specifically on the first half, he had a lot of kind of involvements in the game, a lot of touches kind of going left, going right. He was allowing uh, Martinelli to go into the central positions. At one point, the, the shot we talked about, which Saka had saved, Saka popped up in kind of the left half, uh, yeah, the left half space, had the shot uh, palmed away by Matt Turner. But all in all, what needs to change with Jesus to make him more effective in against these low blocks? Is it that we need someone like Martinelli being more direct and more aggressive in the nine role if he is dropping in there? Because as you were saying, with really intricate passing against the low block, it's very, very difficult to break that down because you're relying on players being sucked out of position and really moving to the ball and space being created, which Mm -hmm. the Forest players didn't yesterday. They didn't respond to it and they were able to see it out. But with Jesus's position, and even though it was leading to great link-up play, it did mean we had absolutely no presence in the box at times during the game. So... Just give me your thoughts on that. And then obviously some of the chances that he didn't take, such as the the cross from Smith Rowe that he, he put over. Yeah. See, with Jesus, right, I'm not 
too critical on him as a player. Um, I think he did all the right things. And when you looked at um, Mikel Arteta's post-match, when he came onto the pitch and spoke with um, Martin Keown at, um, at the end of the game, he said that Jesus, even throughout camp, like he was fighting physios. He was like, I need to play this game. Like You need to put me on this game. And what I liked about him is he was always there. He went on the right, went on the left. He was in midfield. He, he always wanted the ball. What I feel like... And, I, and honestly, I don't think Jesus had a bad game at all. I think what we need to do, and I think the best pass that whole game, and although it didn't hit anyone, I think it was the best pass in terms of what we need to do. And it's when Zinchenko, he got the ball sort of outside the box on the left side. Um, and he and instead of looping a ball in, he just fizzed it on the floor, fizzed it fast, low on the floor. And what it is, when you have that many bodies in the box and you've got a, a quick nippy player like a Yazusu has the acceleration and he he's got he can the agility to get in front of players. We need to do that more. Because when you have those many amount of players, if one sticks a leg out and doesn't connect to it properly, that's when you get deflections. And deflections, you know what happens with deflections. It can go straight in, it can go for a corner, it can go to one of your players. These are things that we have to do. Uh, and we've got to be more direct. I feel like we we're trying too much to be too too pretty. I think that might be the word to say. And like all these looping balls in, like looping balls in, they, they can work as long as you have a physical and tall striker, really. And Jesus isn't tall. He's not, he's physical, but he's not tall. So, and you're not really going to get him beating six foot three, six foot four centre backs. So, what you need to do is you need to play it to his feet and you need to play it fast. And then what, what Jesus can do, because Jesus is brilliant at the turn, he can. He can move the ball very quickly and then you'll stick a leg out and he'll draw a foul. He can get a penalty. He can do all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's why when I saw that ball, I think it was around the 30th minute, it was in Chengo and he just fizzes it. And it, it, it didn't go to any of our players, but I like the idea because that needs to happen. Because what, what they were expecting, they're expecting because we're doing it all game, looping balls in and Turner was going to come out and, and whatnot. But if you do those every now and again, just fizz it in, get it quick. And then what, like, I mean, Eddie's probably better at it because Eddie can, he's very good at just getting into those spaces in between the players. Um, but that's what I feel like, I mean, that's what we need to do more of and maybe get get uh, Rice involved a bit more uh, coming forward because if he can come forward, add the extra man like as just a, as a runner into the box, he draws people away from him. And then what you want to do is as he's drawing the player back, you want to make that pass where Rice was running. And if you have like a, he has dropping back, or Smith Rowe adding an extra man in, you get the opportunity to shoot because Rice would have cleared that middle middle part. He would have drawn a man out. That's that's the only thing I can really think we need to do. I don't think Jesus needs to improve his game per se. I mean, his finishing could do with work. He has got the worst uh, XG um, in the league at the moment. It's, it's like compared to what he's getting, which is pretty poor. Um, but I just think like if we give him more chances more clear-cut chances because yes a striker should score but no one expects a striker to score every single chance they get it's just impossible because if you're scoring every chance you get you're an absolute machine uh, and you'll be a 500 million pound player because like you're just scoring every single shot you're getting but what you need to do is you need to create more of those chances you need to give them enough opportunities to score um and eventually we did that, but that's because we had the space in behind. And that's if, if there is space and, and you're able to do it, that's when the intricacy works because that's when you can really get in behind them. The one twos, they can't man it up. But when you've got such a condensed box with so many players, 
A player only has to move a metre to cover a player, two metres. They don't have to move five, six metres outside of the box. They don't let in that space behind because behind them is another player. Um, so what I think you need to do is you need to be quicker, sharper and, um, and lower, like get more low balls, get the legs get legs involved. Because when you start getting those spills and the, the deflections and stuff, that's when you really get the opportunities. And that's when like a player such as like... Um, I mean, Jesus does really good here, but I think that's what Eddie really thrives at is those spills and the 50-50 balls and the getting onto the second balls. That's when you need those sort of players and the trossards as well. Just, they have a knack of getting into a good position. And that's what that's just what we need to do more, I think, especially against the these sort of low blocks, per se. Um, I mean, we're not going to have that against Liverpool and Liverpool is a bit different. Liverpool, we need to have a bit more of a cautious and, and a constructive approach to the game. Um, 100% because you don't want to give Liverpool the ball at all so you want to keep the ball as long as you can um, but against these low box yeah you just need to be more direct it's simply more direct and uh, Mark Erdegaard does it a lot and although he's so technically gifted and he can receive a ball with four or five people Zinchenko can do the same unlike Zinchenko Erdegaard I, I would say isn't direct enough like it's been a while since I've seen an Erdegaard splitting pass through a line directly on a one touch he doesn't do that he always does the sort of the 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 the, the sort of intricate one twos and the back heels and the overlaps and all this kind of stuff which he does really good at but I feel like he needs to add another dimension to his game to really excel and sort of get to that level of like a De Bruyne you know because like you look at De Bruyne he comes off from a, an ACL injury and against that uh, game um, who was Newcastle. it that they played the other Newcastle and just comes on boom instantly straight past like no, no, do you know what I mean? Doesn't mess about. There's none of this touching. It's, it's just boom, get it straight in there. Because if let let the defender def, like try to defend it, you know, let your attacker have a 50 50 opportunity to get that ball. Because most of the time, our attackers will win because they are that good. So play to their strengths and allow them to get into space, put the balls into space for them to run into um, and put them in difficult areas. Uh, for there to be opportunities of spills and stuff. When I mean, you've got an interchange in front like we have, where because at the moment Saka was on the left wing, Martinelli was on the right, Jesus was on the left, he was in the midfield, and it's a very interchangeable front three. That's when you start getting confusion. When you start having these people crossing in boxes and you've got deflections and stuff, it's hard to mark them and you get drawn out of your positions and it creates little pockets inside. So that's what we need to do a bit more. That's just that's my personal opinion. And I feel like we we are getting better at it but we're still not quite there yet. We're not at like the level of like a Liverpool Man City yet where they are just consistently breaking down low blocks because like you look at like a Diogo Jota at Liverpool, he's probably one of the most direct players I've, I've seen in the league for, since like an Eden Hazard or an Alex Sanchez. Just gets the ball and runs at you. It, it, that's what he does. He just runs at you. And like, I mean, he even got a, a penalty uh, today against um, Chelsea. Like just runs at you. You have to take the ball off him. You're a defender. That's your job. And he's very hard to get the ball if he's very tricky. He's very good with his feet. So is an Emil Smith-Rowe. So is a Saka. So is a Martinelli. So is a Jesus. So I don't know why we're not doing it more. Uh, why are we trying to constantly pass around the player when we've got the skills and the 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 tools to beat a player? So I feel if we do that more, we'll become a much more dangerous team and we'll give ourselves a lot more opportunities to score, say with set pieces, penalties and those sorts of things. That'd be my thoughts on it. And um, oh yeah, we've said about the chances, didn't you? Um, yeah, the Smith Rowe chance is great. Um, good cross. Oh. Uh, 
Sorry, that was a slow load, but that can only mean one thing. We have reached the halfway point of the show. So, uh, so yeah, so it was obviously a frustrating first half for Arsenal. Um, but in the second half, things continued the same for a few minutes. We were struggling to get shots away. Uh, we were taking just that extra touch. And there were moments like Zinchenko lifted the ball over the top from Martinelli. Again, it's one of those, someone have a shot. It's strike the ball, even if you scuff it, and um, make the keeper work, make the defenders make it believe that you're going to have a go on goal. And around the 50-minute mark, as a result of us just feeling to break them down, um, Forrest broke, and it was one of those moments where it was Gibbs White started going forward with the ball, and you could see Declan Rice started to panic. He actually grabbed uh, uh, Gibbs White with both shoulders, but he's one of those players. He just gets his knees so low to the ground, really drops the shoulders, and he runs with so much power, and he's, he could, keeps the ball so close to his feet. He's someone I think would be a really good player at Newcastle. I know they've been linked to him, but as a Joe Linton replacement, that transitional footballer, I, I just I, I love him as a player. I don't know if he'd be the right fit for Arsenal because of the challenges we face. But thankfully, it came to nothing, even though it did get him and uh, Iowani uh, one-on-one against, or two-on-one against Gabriel. But it was... One of those Gibbs White's pass was just too close to Gabriel, and he cleared, and uh, we ended up stopping the counter. But not long after that, Forrest had their first shot, and um, it, it was one of those. Uh, it was a head or well, a knob straight back to Rea, and really very easy to do, and one that it was a case of. I think Rea was glad to get the ball to get it away quickly and try and get us some space up the pitch, which is something that I I think is, is a real positive with Rea. And I think it's something that we're starting to notice is that when he gets the ball, he steps forward with it. He wants to release it. And uh, there are also times when we're 2-0 up where that's when he lies on the ball. But it can be nil-nil. Ramsdale would have grabbed the ball, stuck his tongue out at the opposition fans and so on. And like we all love that about Ramsdale. But at the same time, I think these are the marginal differences that we're seeing in the attacking side of the game that we've got from Raya that we didn't have from Ramsdale. I still think there's still a lot of question marks of whether um, Raya can deliver the shot stop and that Ramsdale did because I, I'm yet to see that in an Arsenal shirt but then it's important to remember he's faced a lot less shots so these are factors if you've got a keeper that's only facing one one and a half shots a game versus a keeper that was facing like four there, there's a big difference in the skills that you need from each player but that trend kind of went on as the second half went in, um, where it just felt like we weren't going to shoot. And at the same time, we were actually starting to play some good football. But the big moment came around the 57th minute, which you have already mentioned. And it was that moment mm-hmm. where it felt like it just wasn't going to be our night. So beautiful move. Saka, Odegaard, really, really intricate. Ball comes into Gabriel Jesus. Everything just seems there. It kind of... Do you remember Wilshire's chip against City a few years ago um, where he's in a similar yeah. position and he dinked it in with his right foot? It, it reminded me of that kind of position. And you just think, 
just dink that past him. We've seen so many players do it in the Premier League. Gabriel Jesus went full power and he came cannoning oh, back power, off yeah. post for just outside the six-yard box. Now, give me your thoughts on that because it, it's one of those, some people could argue it's a tight angle, but personally, I think you should score it. So what do you think? think? Yeah, he's got to score that. Um, I think just where we are at the game uh, at that point, um, and we've not been able to score, like those opportunities, we clearly haven't made more. And that's when I thought, oh, this is not going to be our night. And he just cannons it. Like you said, it should be a bit more finesse on that. Like Matt, Matt Turner, like if it's a, an Allison or an Edison, then yes, you need you need a bit more power because these players, they've got like alien-like instincts and reactions. Um, or what should I say? Reflexes. But this ball comes straight, it goes cannon straight off the bar and you're like, oh man. And it bounces off and goes off. And then like the, the way it got set up, like the Saka and the back heel from, uh, or more of like a sort of a pass over, just sort of crosses it across him. Erdegaard to yeah, just get into that space. It was beautiful. Uh, it was a well, well set up opportunity. Um, and he may, I thought maybe he was going to go across the goalie, um, but instead he goes for the near post and then, yeah, just ricochets off. You've got to score it. You've got to score it. But with hindsight, um, obviously he did come back and he did it even at an even tighter angle. Um, but looking at it just objectively, like he has to score that goal. Like there's no other, there's no other excuse for it. Like if you score that goal, we'd probably go on and win a lot more. Um, and it, do you know what I mean? It's because when that first goal went in, late, like a couple of minutes later, changed the game. Completely changed the game. Like Nottingham Forest, then they had to. They knew that they had to go forward. So if we got that opportunity, then we, we often would have run away with it because the way that it was done was so slick. It was so slick, and it was just beautiful to watch the way that the passing was going compared to say like the 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 goal that actually happened was Zinchenko from a throw in. I think morality from Forest would have gone down because they they just got completely outbeat and they 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 sort of had a little bit of like a second win. They were like, oh, that was a close one. And they stayed a little bit tight again. And it was only just sort of a, a genius sort of play a couple of minutes later from Zinchenko just to, on the one because I feel like recently, and I don't know if, if it's you as well, but recently when we come to throw-ins, we take forever to do a throw-in. Is it just me? I we feel do. Like we, we, yeah, we take ages to do a throw-in and it's like, just like, do you know what I mean? Like, throw the ball, and then like, literally, he's in. He just gets the ball. He sees Jesus in between the right back and um, centre back, throws it directly to him. Um, he gets it, he, and then straight away he just turns. And then after that, you can lead up to the second goal. That was the only time where we actually had like an overload of four three two, and we actually managed to get the ball going um, because Zerdegard was quick, sharp, got to the left. He then goes forward and, and cuts it across the sacker. So. Yeah, I mean, from that first goal, I personally think it should go in. I think if he does score that, it also makes the fans feel better um, in terms of like Jesus and um, because Twitter after that shot was in meltdown. Was it in meltdown? Oh, yeah, I remember I going on my feed and everyone was like, oh my God, Jesus, like this. And people saying like, oh, we don't need a striker and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and then again, he scores like just from the most ridiculous angle. It makes no sense. Um, but I just, I just think yeah. for him, he needs that, that. That seemed to me that shot. It seemed to me like a player who's not, not 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 that he's not confident, but it seemed like a player who's rushing 
it, it seemed like a player who was trying to do so much because he was so active the whole game. He was running there, running here, running there, running there, running here, running here, running here. He just wanted to get involved in the ball. But I felt like there wasn't necessarily, um, until sort of when we scored the goal, uh, there wasn't any sort of um, purpose towards what he was doing. He was just trying to get involved and get the ball to his feet uh, rather than him going, right, I'm getting the ball here. And I'm going to turn here and I'm going to pass it here. and It's going to go down. I'm going to do an overload here. And it felt like there wasn't much of a, a purpose towards it. And then even with the shot, it just it just seemed like he just thrashed at it. He, he didn't really, you know, when, when you look at like the greats, of of like I don't know like imagine that was like a, an Aguero or something like that you know Aguero is going to get that yeah. ball in that position and just go across the keeper and it's going to be a nice not it's not going to rocket it he's just going to place it into that spot and it's going to be calm finish and it's going to be one nil I didn't get that feeling from him at all um, I didn't really get the feeling of like a calmness to that opportunity he sort of thrashed it and, and rushed it I don't know about you but that's what I saw. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I think he's and then he had that moment, a big, big one a minute later, field clearance from Forrest, Saka nodded it across to him, and he he chipped it over the keeper or the two defenders in the box, spun them, and he turns and volleys it over yeah. the bar. And again, it's one of those he, he is being closed down by a couple of defenders, but it, it, it kind of sums up Gabriel Jesus, like having the balls to do that in the box, the audacity, you're away from home, tight space, big, big crowded area, and you've chipped the defender and tried to hit it on the volley. And But again, it kind of showed that we were starting to take some chances and then the goal came about 10 minutes after that. And it was just a huge relief. So 65 minutes when he scored. And then... Didn't take a few, uh, much longer before we went two 0 up, and um, right before the the goal itself, the the second goal, Arteta made some substitutions, and uh, Emil Smith Rowe was one of the players that came off. So, give me your thoughts on Emil because I've got, I, I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. So, firstly, I want you to judge Go his on. performance on a player that's been out for so long and barely played. Um, on how good you think that is. And secondly, if he was fully fit and how would you judge that performance? Had he have just been a regular starter for the last number of months? Yeah, look, so I, I put a tweet out after the game. Um, I and I, I mean, people were saying I was being a bit harsh. I gave Elmer Smith a 6.5 uh, rating on that game. Now, he did nothing wrong. Fair. He was great. He was confident. Yeah, he was confident on the ball. He was great on the ball. He he took it and he, he didn't really... He, I think he made two misplayed pass the whole game. Um, everyone else, it was all pretty good. He made four sort of uh, forward passes. But what... The reason I gave him a 6.5 is because I know he can be so much better. I know he's better. And for me, it seemed like a game where... Because it was his first start in ages, he didn't want to make a bad move. He didn't want to do the wrong move. Um, which is... It's good, but it's also bad because the you need confidence from these players. You need them to make those direct passes. You need them to back themselves. And it felt like because he, he's been given this opportunity for the first time, and I think that was his second start in a year uh, or something like that. It was, it was crazy. Um, he just wanted to make sure he did the game plan and did it right. But when you know Emerson Smith throwing his, 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 his skill set, he is a direct player. He's a very, very direct player um, who can chase down defenders directly at them. He'll 
pass it around them. He can do one twos. He can finish as well. We know he can shoot. Um, and it seemed like he didn't want to do that, uh, which is why I gave him a 6.5. Um, cause I, I just know he can be better. I, I just know he can be better. And now I looking at that performance, I would, I would, I probably wouldn't start him against Liverpool. Uh, I'd probably put Havertz in there just because Havertz has had more game time uh, and he seems a lot more comfortable in the system. Um, but going into the game after Liverpool, um, I would 100% put Emil Smith-Rowe back in because I think Emil Smith-Rowe, he can definitely become better than that performance we did. He can definitely do better. And I feel like he will consistently do better. But I wouldn't jump him into the deep end against a Liverpool where he's only just had a couple of minutes um, because that that if he came onto the pitch and like say off the bat he was putting in forward passes directly to Martinelli to Saka and and putting those break which is what we want from your left eight to do those splitting passes between a fullback and centre back then I'd be like to know what this is a player filled with confidence get him on for Liverpool but because he had that it was like a hesitance in his play. I don't think he's ready for that start against Liverpool yet, but that doesn't mean to say I don't think he's a good player or anything like that. I just think he's slightly lacking the the confidence in himself because it's been so long and it's fair enough. He's come back from quite a big injury uh, and surgery, so it's going to take a while, um, but I just don't want it to take too long, you know? Uh, but I think Arteta did the right thing by giving him a start um, because I feel like, well, I feel like the fans love him. He's he's Apparently he's been training excellently um, in sort of in the training ground uh, and he's deserved it so yeah I'm, I'm thinking Havertz for the Liverpool game and then definitely definitely bring out Emerson throw back in because it seemed like he wanted to do he, he for, I don't know I don't know about the stats because I can't, I can't go on the stats but it, it felt like he was more present at the ball than Havertz I, I don't know what the touch uh, difference is bet- between them but it seemed like he wanted the ball more um, and he wanted to 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 get around it whereas Havertz seems to be more sort of a target man where he will sort of he'll fill in a space and he'll put his back on a player whereas Emil Smith-Rowe will chase up to will run at you on the ball and he'll do like the little trot of the uh, one-twos the crossovers and all this kind of stuff um, so yeah that was that, that would be my review of him uh, I, I think he had a great game well a good game he did nothing wrong but he didn't have an exceptional game he didn't do anything that went wow do you know like Emil Smith-Rowe is back um but yeah, I just think it's a, a little bit of a confidence thing. What about you? Is it anything sort of different in your dad or? No, I, I agree with you. Um, the stats kind of suggest, so 48 touches of the ball, 42 or 45 passes completed, so 93% accuracy, which I think very much feeds in and backs up exactly what you just said about wanting to do the game plan and not taking any risks. The fact he's, the fact that he's had 48 touches and played 45 passes shows that he didn't dwell on the ball. He wanted Mm -hmm. to get rid of it quickly. He wanted to be involved, but he wanted to keep it moving. He didn't want to carry dribble, do the things that we, we associate him with most often. And interestingly, he played 71 minutes by comparison. Havertz, um, Havertz was on for nearly 20 minutes without a time or 25 minutes without a time. He had 18 touches and, um, so roughly per per minute on the pitch, Havertz probably had more touches. Um, he had 14 of 17 passes. Um, he played one key pass in the game. Smith-Rowe had one key pass. Um, Havertz lost position three times Smith-Rowe. Um, 
he lost possession four times. So again, that shows the the safety. Smith Rowe being on the pitch for mm-hmm. seventy one minutes, only losing possession four times. Three of them were misplaced passes. One of them likely off a a dribble attempt or something along those lines. Yeah, one dribble attempt un, unsuccessful. So. Um, Havertz, one of the times he lost the ball was he took it to the corner right at the end and it was possibly the worst taken to the corner I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. It's I was shouting at him. I was like, keep it in there, you giraffe. And uh, he, he, he got the ball and he tried to play it off the defender and he just gave it straight back to Forrest. And it's like, mate, you're six foot four. You're a big gangly giraffe. Just like literally stand there. Make them, take, make them put it out of play. It's like, you're so good at doing that. Don't try to be smart here. Just keep the ball. But yeah, um, I completely agree with what you've said about Emil Smith-Rowe. I think it is very much that for a player that's been out for so long, I thought he did very, very well on a tough ground that was physical, a lot of battle. And although I, to be fair to Forrest, I didn't think they kicked us. I thought they were fair. Yeah, they they were they were disciplined. And that was something that I, I noticed about Saka. And I do wonder, Saka looked very sharp and sprightly last night. And I do wonder if the lack of kicks helped with that. So, so yeah. Look, overall, I was surprised I agree by that. To be points. honest, I was surprised so was by I, that I actually because because we said in the preview, we I thought Forest because they normally draw quite a lot of fouls. I thought they were going to be they were going to try and frustrate us by by. But I think they understood that our set pieces are so dangerous. I think Nuno said to us like, "Look, mate, like we're we're wank." We are absolutely drosh at defending this. Like you give them an opportunity to do a free kick and we're conceding here, lads. Do not stick a leg out. I think that's what he said to them pretty much. Because yeah, I've, I've noticed the same yeah. thing. Like they weren't really drawing too many fouls. Like they, it's like they were scared to give a foul. They, they, they were happy to they were happy to push a man out and push him outside, whatever. But they didn't want to touch. They didn't want to touch at all. Um, which is it's probably a good game plan to be honest. But then obviously just the the, the amount of pressure we put on. It was inevitable we were going to score at some stage, especially when they had to come forward. Yeah, definitely. But let's talk about the second goal. So what I find really interesting about this is you can coach and coach and coach and do everything and drill your players and be so tactically organized. But one thing you you just can't account for is the ball falling at your best creative player's feet on the halfway (laughs) line in space. And that, that ball comes from Havertz gets it away very well, a good header. We start to push forward. And as a result of us kind of counter-pressing them, the the ball lands at the feet of Martin Odegaard. He frees Gabriel Jesus and beautiful run from Jesus mm-hmm. into Saka. And I had no doubts in my mind Saka was going to score that. Uh, yes, yeah, he was he was someone that I, I was just like, he he's putting this in the bottom corner and he did, but look, that goal should have been made it play in Salem from here, but it obviously didn't. Mm-hmm. Give me your thoughts on what that goal means for Saka and just his performance overall, because personally, I, I thought he was exceptional. Yeah, no, Saka was great. That goal very much reminded me of the Palace goal where um, Jesus put in Trossard. Um, very similar. Like he, he ran down the wing. He saw his man. It was a four four v two overload. Uh, he looked up prior to the literally seconds to the pass. He sees Saka on his own wide, and he puts it perfectly uh, to him. Uh, Saka as well. Like I mean, people have been sort of berating him a little bit, saying he's not been in form. 
But hey, like Saka's now got 10 goals, 10 assists this season. First player to do it for two seasons uh, since Sanchez. Um, so it just goes to show like how crucial he is to us uh, and how good he actually is. I mean, he's still young. Um, he's, what, he's still only like 22 and he's still doing like these, putting up these numbers. Uh, and like you said, like when he went to Erdegaard, he puts it up there. And it was just, a, it was just beautiful. And the, the finish, the calmness, that, that to me, that shot was not a player out of form. A player out of form does not take that shot like that. It was so calm. It was so calculated. He knew exactly where he was going to put that ball and he put it there. That's not a player out of form. And I think one of the things you said, uh, which was actually quite interesting, was that because he wasn't getting kicks, he wasn't sort of, he didn't have any fear because I think with Saka, he just wants to play. He doesn't want to get injured. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to get a silly foul. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't want this because he wants to play uh, and he want, and he loves mm-hmm. playing for Arsenal. So, for me, that's not. If if that was a a weak shot, then you'd be like, okay, Saka's out of form. He put that perfectly across the keeper, out of reach. Professional. That was that was professional as it comes. Um, and it was a it was a clinical finish, and it was a goal that was needed. Uh, because I feel like for a while, uh, I mean, we should. I think we should have pushed maybe for a third, but and it seemed like we were happy with a two 0 and that's why we ended up conceding. But for a while like went against these sort of teams we'll, we score the goal and then we just try and defend the goal the, the, the one nil lead we need to be a bit more ruthless um, and when, when you have those opportunities you've got to take them and he did he, did, he took it he, you couldn't have asked him to do anything more there was nothing more you could have asked him there's nothing you could have critiqued about it he did a perfect run um, when Erdogan got the ball um, Martinelli Jesus and um, uh, Saka and I think Havertz as well was already running up they, they instantly triggered on it because they knew it was going to Erdegaard. So they instantly went forward because they know Erdegaard's going to find them. Uh, and then they did. They did. They were already in front of him. Like if you go back, I remember I was watching the highlights of it again um, this morning. Just just unbelievable. Like four players instantly, the second Erdegaard's got the ball, they're already in front of him and it was a 4v2 overload. Uh, and then the way he just gets it, takes on the right. And you just, honestly, I couldn't have asked for more for Saka. And it just goes to show like he is still probably our best player on the pitch. Um, whether it's assisting, whether it's goal scoring. I think he's got his joint second top assister in the league um, or something like that now. He's got seven assists. He's got seven goals in the league. Uh, obviously, he's got um, more goals and assists in, in cups as well. So, yeah, I, I couldn't have rated it anymore. What I didn't like, though, post that goal was the complacency and the sort of the contentness. In football, you should never, ever be content. I think in life, you should never really be content because then you just, then you just, you start going downhill from there. Uh, and it seemed like we were happy to just sort of sit back and um, not really push for that third. We need to be a bit more ruthless. Uh, we need to do sort of what the Liverpools and cities do. I mean, like you had what City won today, 3-1 against Burnley. They get that third goal, it's 3-0. And once it's 3-0, you, you, your game's done. You got Liverpool beat Chelsea 4-1 today and they were still pushing uh, for the last five minutes to get a fifth. You have to be ruthless. It doesn't matter who you play, you have to be ruthless in football. Um, and there's, there's, I feel like we're trying to be a bit too, I don't know if it was like a sportsman he'd like, because I don't think Arteta is that sort of guy. It just, it was more like a a collective Yeah, you could see, feel. I think I think you'd see Arteta getting annoyed with the players as well, mm-hmm. not giving it that that extra push. And we, we had a couple of shots after that. We had one from Saka that went high and wide. We had one from Odegaard that actually hit the camera and uh, came flying back off the, the camera which would have been a very nice TV shot. But like with what you said about Liverpool, for example, Liverpool had 28 shots against uh, Chelsea today. 
Darwin Nunes became the four, first player since records began to hit the, the woodwork four times. And um, they've still won 4-1. So th- that does show that the level of firepower that Liverpool have that we don't quite have at the minute. And um, a big part of that is Liverpool play a simple game. They move it forward and they shoot. And that that is one of the things that they hit shots from different angles. There are sometimes Liverpool could do with a bit of intricacy in the game. But there's plenty of times where they win games just by overpowering the opposition with just literally pure firepower so so yeah obviously that was frustrating for us but then came something that shouldn't have happened and came very much out of nowhere which was Forrest pulling a goal back yeah big long ball forward Zinchenko playing his man on side uh, Nick Williams header across goal and a really uncharacteristic mistake from Saliba. So Saliba puts himself in that position in the air. It makes Iwani able to sort of nudge him. Very favorable bounce that takes it away from Gabriel. And he turns and places it. He's a player with great box presence. He, he's a player I like a lot. I think he's mm-hmm. he's a big, powerful striker that knows how to score goals. But, They've missed him, definitely. Yeah, they, they have missed him. They've missed him a lot. But look... The, the the goal itself, Zinchenko has come in for a lot of criticism. And I think, yes, absolutely, he's played him on side. But at the same time, that for me is a bigger error from Saliba because he deals with that nine times out of 10, 99 mm-hmm. times out of 100. It, it, when it happened, I don't think anyone could believe it because it was just so unlike both our defenders to concede that goal. And it, it was... A ball across the box like that is like that's food and drink for for those two. So, just give me your thoughts on what you think went wrong there. Because yes, it was a Zinchenko lapse with the the diagonal, but it was also our two centre backs seemingly having a bit of a mix up as well. I purely think it's down to the switching off. Um, the whole game they didn't really get tested at all. Uh, and they purely just had a lapse uh, and you can't do this in football this is something that we have to iron out um, like if you go into the Champions League and you have a lapse in the 90th minute and you're winning you can lose a whole game like imagine that against like a, a Real Madrid you're like 2-0 two, two up they score in the eight, like the 70th minute or whatever it was That kind, you're, you're thinking yourself they're going to win this game now because they, they don't switch off you, you cannot switch off in games. You have to always be alert. And that was just a very uncharacteristic um, mishap from Saliba. But it looked like he was just sort of like shocked by the whole thing. It, and it was like he, he just didn't expect it. And these are things that we have to iron out. We can't, like we should have been, we should have come out with a with a clean sheet. There, there's no... 100% argument against that. Yeah, we, we that that had to be a clean sheet because one that does a lot more confidence for us and it just highlights what what's been going wrong for us all season. I mean, I look at the Liverpool um I look at the Liverpool game, uh the FA Cup. Again, it was they had barely any opportunities and then right at the end of the game, we switch off and they score. They scored two goals. They, they scored the one and their heads went down and they scored a second one again because they're ruthless. They don't switch off. They scored literally at the last kick of the game. They scored. They do not switch off. You, If you want to be an elite team pushing for titles and, and Champions Leagues and all this kind of stuff, 
you have to push right to the end and you have to be switched on. You you you, you just can't do it. You, you're, you're against elite players here. Even though it's Nottingham Forest, they're still top quality players. Like Nottingham Forest could go to another league, like the French league, they could go to the Dutch league, go to Germany and they'll still compete out there. Do you know what I mean? Um, you, you need, you can't, you can't switch off against these sort of players. It's, it's, you just can't 100%. do it. 100%. And, and that's, that's grind. Uh, I, I've been a few times. It's so loud. They make a racket in there. They're, whatever they've got everyone behind the ball. They, they don't have a lot to cheer about. So the minute that crowd get a sniff, they, they go wild and they make a huge amount of noise. They really lift their team. And that was exactly what we saw the last 10 minutes. The, the noise was deafening in there. They really felt that they could get something from the game. But ultimately, we did well. We saw the game out and we've come away with three points. But um, the... Final thing I want to talk about is just a bit of transfer news, actually. There's been a few announcements, some of which have happened since we started talking, but three moves today away from the club. The first one being Lino Souza going to Aston Villa, come out of pretty much nowhere. Um, give me your thoughts on this one. Lino Souza. I mean, it'll be a good move for him. I I, I like him. Um, there's actually quite a few outgoings, to be fair. We've had a Mari Ray kick as well. He's, he's leaving as well. And I think uh, Ibrahim uh, Bradley as well is um, is on his way yep. out as well. Um, and Lino Souza, I, Sego Jr. Sego Jr., yeah. See, these are players that kind of need to go out. Um, Lino Souza, did you say it was a, a full-blown transfer? So yeah, he is going on a permanent deal. So there, there's one report mm. that it's four million rising to twelve, which not to me deal. is good. But it's not a bad deal. He's someone that I think his path is probably blocked to the first team. Got a lot of yeah, potential. He's got a, a very athletic profile, but if we can get twelve million for him and get some some money in the buyback. pot, great. Um, I, I don't know. There's still. I, I I don't know. There's still a lot of very mixed yeah. reports around it. And, I think uh, the, these these are things we need to do for like these sorts of players because Lino Souza has got a lot, like you say, he's got a lot of potential, and he was never really going to get the opportunity because of the players that were in front of him in the first team. But what we need to do, we need to make sure we're either putting buyback clauses in these players or first refusal. Uh, we need to be putting yeah. these in because um, the, these are homegrown players. These are. Players like when you let them go and then like oh, you get like a Serge Gnabry and you're like oh man like and they they light up light up the world effectively so now I like I've liked Suza I've liked him for a long time he's very technical um he's very he's fast as well he's very comfortable on the ball we can put good crosses in um he can even come forward as a winger is he he won't stress at that either um so I like it for him if we can get twelve million for him I think that's a good deal all round. Um, if it moves up to it and because of the way if it's structured as well then it helps us on like sort of FFP France as well so that's not I, I don't mind the deal um, I think there are other players in the youth team that could um, potentially fill in boots as well but I think that left back right back full back positions they're pretty much covered I don't think we really need anyone from youth prospects going so yeah we need to we need to be a bit more ruthless I know Arsenal have this affinity with sticking with our hail enders but look you look at Chelsea you look at City, you look at, um, I mean, you could use, you could say United back in the day. 
and like Liverpool back in the day, but you've got to sell these players. Like you have to, you have to generate money. Um, and like, I mean, Chelsea do better than did. any team I've ever seen. Yeah, we used to be brilliant. Like Wenger always and then we sold just them. Stopped. And um, I, like Wenger used to give these players minutes and flog them. And like, if you look at the number that came through over the years, it was very small considering he was at the club for over 20 years. Like you really look at in, in the latter years, Kieran Gibbs that, that came and stayed as a regular. If you count Fabregas in there, Ashley Cole was there, Jack Wilshire. But there weren't many that really broke through and made a massive impact. And then, then the other one is Sago Jr., which I actually think is a pretty positive one. He has gone on loan to Swansea, where he'd be linking up with Charlie Patino. Charlie Patino, yeah, it's a great one. It's a great, so that's clearly a great the deal. club are happy with the way Charlie's being looked after at Swansea. I, I thought there may have been a bit of unhappiness there given that he's in and out of the team but maybe Arsenal think that that's a good learning experience for him that he's having to fight for his place and mm-hmm. making him grow up so so yeah um, Sego Jr. going on loan to Swansea that's for me something that he needs he's too good for youth football he's yep. not good enough for first team football at Arsenal and again this is something that uh, we've seen again Connor Bradley in the Liverpool team starring tonight and it's led a lot of Arsenal fans kicking off. But I think what fans need to remember is academies have cycles and they tend to run in about four or five years where your talents come through at once and you've nothing for a number of years. And we saw that at Arsenal, there was Willick's, uh, um, Willick, Saka, Smithrow and Kedia. Awobi, Maitland-Niles, Reese Nelson. Nelson, yeah. They all came through within a kind of five-year period of each other, maybe even less. And uh, we came through slightly before the others. We produced a lot of players all within a, a small period of time. Those players all came through. They're playing first team. But we also have players during that time like Daniel Ballard, who didn't make the grade, who's doing well at Sunderland mm-hmm. now. Harry and, yeah, all these guys yeah. that they, they didn't quite make it and we were able to sell them on. And then those guys had been in and around the first team for five mm-hmm. years. We're now seeing another group get closer. But it's important to remember, Liverpool haven't actually produced many players. Jones is 23 now. Yeah, um, they've got their cold Trent Alexander-Arnold's 25. Yeah, but Bradley's been, uh, Connor Bradley's been on loan uh, for... Bolton for the last couple of years he's played over 50 games mm. so he's got the experience and this is where the likes of Sago Jr. need to be going is getting that experience coming back to Arsenal if they're good enough if they're not we're ruthless and we sell them we we kept hold of some players like Maitland-Niles far too long the same thing yeah. we said of Reese Nelson we kept hold of him far too long and I'll be honest Eddie and Kenny again last night I, I, I really want Eddie to do well I know you love him but it took Forrest scoring for him to get some energy and close down Forrest players. And that's frustrating because that's not an ability thing. That is run. You you know the basic kind of the baseline of this team is built around running and hard work. Put that hard work in. You, mm-hmm. you, you know you're a good finisher. You know you'll get chances. So do the basics well and the goals will come for you. So that, they're the things that I think within Kedia that – 
I just feel he's never really kicked on and really developed. But that's where I hope someone like Sego Jr. He gets alone. He does mm-hmm. well. Um, Charlie Coffey as well. At Millwall. Like he's a like yeah. you've got Leno Souza and you've got Brook Norton Coffey, who I think is probably better than him. A bit more um potential. So yeah, we'll have to see. I'll have to see. Like I, I like the fact that um Sego Jr. is going with uh, Patini because one, they've played before. They played with each other before. So that might actually sort of push Swansea to play Patino a bit more because that's a link up they know um, works and it's also maybe they're looking at it for the future maybe they're going Patino's coming in Sago Junior might step up um, and if we can get sort of a, a it's kind of like a you know you need your you need a an attacking midfielder uh, or like a creative midfielder to have a partnership with a striker they need to have that partnership it's like you look at greats I mean like at the moment you've got De Bruyne and Haaland they just click you go great yeah. to the Burkamp on Rees. They click. I mean, you can even go... I mean, there's, you, can, you can think of loads. You can go um, Cortinho and Suarez. You can go Ozil, Sanchez. Like You need these these partnerships because they're the ones who create your goals because they they do things that you can't coach. They do things that you, that become subliminal. They become they become a part of your natural game, and you know where they're going to be. And you can't, you physically can't coach those things. They have to be natural. So I like it. I, I like it all round, and I hope that it means that Patino will get more run minutes because I know recently he's not been in the team as much, uh, which is a little bit frustrating because I do try and watch him as much as possible because I really I really rate Patino. I think he's a I think he's an exceptional talent um, with a lot lot of potential going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's one of these, we need to let these players develop. And we've discussed it before. Miles, uh, Lewis Skelly and Ethan Wanner. They're not in the Cups anymore either. So they're not not going to get opportunities now. So let the the boys develop. They will get their minutes in the first team. They're good enough. Russian players does them no favours. I always think if Reese Nelson was shipped off somewhere earlier or kept away from the first team a bit longer he he might have developed a bit more because he was one of those that he was too good for youth football at the time and he was nowhere near first team standard so we've seen it when it goes wrong in the past we've seen it when it goes right but look trust the manager on this when he sees them train every day Mm -hmm. but that leaves us with one way to wrap up the show and it is So first, I'm going to ask you for your good moment of the game. Um, I'm going to say my good moment of the game is not necessarily a moment. It's more just the approach. I think the the good moment was the the control, the the pure control, the way that we were purely able to just dominate the game. Um, And I'm going to tie it in with uh, Emil Smith-Rowe. It was good to just see him play. Um, although he didn't really have any sort of electric moments, it was just good to see him on the pitch. And it, and it, it I think it, it alleviates a lot of the worries that were going in the fan base that before, like, oh, he's not part of the plans. He's not part of the plans. He's got to be part of the plans. Otherwise, he wouldn't be playing. He wouldn't be starting. So good to see him. Um, and I think the way that we were able to control the game and him to step in and like we, we went through the stats, like he, he didn't want to keep the ball. He was one touching it. He was comfortable doing it. Um, I think now he's just got to push on a bit more and maybe be a bit more direct himself. That was my good moment. 
Yeah, um, my good moment, I am going to go um, with, I guess, an overall performance. Um, I'm going to go with Ben White. I thought he looked fantastic. Solid. He looked completely revitalized last night. Rested. The overlapping runs, the way he could come back. He had a real tan instead of that uh, spray tan he had. <laughs> and uh, it, he, he just looked like the player we saw last season. And I think it was... It, against Palace, it was really clear that he was moving a lot more freely. And last night, I think it just really highlighted what he's been playing through. And he's done that for the team because we've had no one else. So yeah, I think hats off to Ben White, and it was great to see him mm-hmm. back. So um, secondly, what about your good, good moment of the game? Good, good moment. Um, frustrated, but still good, was going to be Jesus's goal. Like, it just ridiculous like the whole of the thing like Zinchenko puts a perfect throw in through the through the defenders and the angle I was just I just it, and I said at the start he frustrates me like how can you score what look like near impossible opportunities and miss sitters makes no sense thank you for scoring it does change the game and then he got the assist as well as after but like come on but no, good, good moment because that was a class goal. That was that was class. The 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 angle was just ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm going to go with Saka's goal just because it's mm-hmm. the, I, I, as far as I am aware, it's the first time I've ever seen Saka score in the flesh. Um, Jesus has actually scored the last three times I've seen him play. So um, and when he it, when he scores, I, I, we don't lose. Yeah, so um, interestingly, for a man that doesn't score very often, I have seen him score a lot. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, I believe it is the first time I've seen Saka play. I absolutely love him. So uh, that's what I'm going to pick. It was one of those. I, I was thinking before the game, have I actually Great seen finish. Saka score in the flesh? And beautiful finish right in front of me as well. The angle was perfect to see it. And uh, yeah, loved watching it. So, but finally, mm-hmm. your bad moment of the game. Bad moments in the game. I mean, yeah, we can go to the goal we conceded, but I'm, I'm going to go with just the pure complacency. It was just frustrating. Um, it's like we switched off at the end. Um, it was like, oh, we 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 we're two 0 up now. We're winning. Um, that that's sort of, that's bad, and we have to knock that off. If we do it against Liverpool. We're going to lose again. We're we're going to lose again if we do that. You you cannot switch off. If you switch off for five seconds, they'll they'll get behind you and they'll score because they don't they don't miss. They barely miss unless it's Darwin Nunes who'll hit the post. Um, but you you just you can't do that. So that was my bad moment, and it's something that can be fixed. And may may maybe it happened because it was Forest and it's not a, uh, a but it was an important game. Every game should be important. You can't switch off against. Doesn't matter who the club is. You have to play them. Uh, you have to play it at your level all the time. And you never have to. If you dip down to a level, that's when you lose. So that was my bad moment. And Saliba's, um, just, just, yeah, he just looked like he was just switched off. He, that was just such an uncharacteristic way he got beat to the head. Oh, it's just poor. It's just poor for me. Yeah, um, for me, picking a bad moment um, is hard. I'm gonna go with uh, Havertz in the corner, just because it was like, mate, just hold the ball. It's like give, yeah. give your team a bit of a relief, but but also just on on that per moment from Havertz, I think a player that I, I need to give a shout out to is Leandro Trossard. I thought he was brilliant when he came on. 
He just, mm -hmm. he was someone, he looked like a grown up on the pitch. He was battling. He was just working hard. And he had that run where he just took the ball to the other end of the pitch. And it, it really gave us the breathing space that we needed. So I, I thought it was a great change from Arteta. Martinelli really poor again. And again, he just keeps running into that brick wall, head down, not looking up. And frustrating to watch, but I thought Leo really pushed for his right, face against Liverpool. You've got to start Trossard and bring Martinelli off the bench and you will get the best yeah, of him. I would be inclined to lean that way on Sunday against Liverpool. But we will wrap up the show there. So thank you to Monty for joining us tonight. Thank you to everyone that's listened so far. Thank you. If you've liked the show, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and join us again on Monday where we will be doing the 200th episode of the Arsenal Therapy Pod after the Liverpool game. We will also be on YouTube where we'll be doing another show on Friday. So please tune into that. The channel's really taken off. We're continuing to grow really rapidly and we appreciate everyone that follows us every week. So have a great night. Thanks, guys. Cheers. <laughs>